Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. And welcome to Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Rehef. Well, a lot of cool kids in. Uh, I think there may be some uh, people in today who aren't necessarily my regular listeners, uh, who may have come to see the guest, but uh, it's basically just a daily chat uh, full of stupid questions and rubbish. Uh, I'm getting increasingly more tired and irritable, so just <laughs> fucking watch it. I tell you, I'm going to fight you whoever comes on here. <laughs> take Take the, I don't know who the guest is today, I'm going to take him down. Uh, so, uh, I'm in a bad mood. No, I'm all right. I've been, uh, you know, I've just not been that, I've not been all that well. I'm too old for this shit. Um, uh, so, what I did, Set List last night, which is a brilliant show. You must go and see if you get a chance where comedians have to make up a routine on the spot uh, based on just some stuff that comes up on the screen behind, like an imaginary set list, which is the hardest and most terrifying thing. It's sort of like being asleep and in a dream. And, <laughs> and it is a dream, but you're awake and on stage and people hear the terrible things that you say. Uh, so I'm kind of filled with retrospective shame about some awful things I said last night, but there we go. Uh, and my other thing I've been trying to do is to find, and I don't know if any local Edinburgh people have a, an idea of this, I've been trying to find the perfect way. Well, I basically, I'm sort of staying near to Bristow Square, so I'm trying to get to Bristol Square to here at the stand uh, with, uh, without kind of hitting a bottleneck of tourists, uh, without going all the way around the outskirts of Edinburgh. I think it's impossible. Uh, I've been trying every day to... I come down the New Steps, that's a good... Any locals in? Yeah. New, new Steps, that's a good one. That's a good little... But then you get caught with all the, the people trying to get on the tourist buses, don't you? That's the problem. Uh, so there's no way around it, but if anyone has any ideas, it's like a kind of logic puzzle that isn't interesting anyone in the room, but maybe, <laughs> maybe the people at home would <laughs> be more interested. Uh, and yeah, everything's going all right. I can't really think of much that's going on. So we've got a few regulars in there. In there was a couple of people. What's your name, madam? Cheryl. Cheryl? Yeah. That's nice. Have you come to see Mick? Have you come to see me? Come Have you come to see me? Yeah. <laughs> Take that in your face. <laughs> I'm from the Cheddar Federation of Wrestling. I've been trying... It's just me on my own. Um, I don't really know anything about wrestling. This could be a disaster. I don't know. I don't really know who Mick Foley is. Uh, <laughs> he seems quite nice backstage, but you know, that could just be... Oh, turn your phone off. Who's that? Who's that? Oh, uh, is, is it one of the crew? Yes. Fair enough. Uh, but it should be fun. It's kind of interesting to talk to someone who has a proper real job and a real life, <laughs> if you can call wrestling real. Uh, so um, <laughs> I'm kind of... Uh, my plan is that one of us is not going to leave this stage alive. And, uh, you, can start, you can start putting bets on who that might be. Uh, it's kind of a bet. I've got a good bet for anyone, any punters out there. I've, I've got a good little tip for, this, for the soccer this year. Um, I think Celtic might win the <laughs> Scottish Premiership. It's very early on. It's very early on in the... Uh, in the so you can probably get good odds on that. Uh, <laughs> they're the best team in uh, Glasgow by miles. So, um... <laughs> but they're better than any... I kind of don't even know what the Edmund ones are called, to be fair. So, uh... uh <laughs> I like any teams that fight other teams that are basically just the same religion as them, but <laughs> we have a slight disagreement over whether bread is really bread or something else. <laughs> um, well, okay, I think that's worth sending parcel bombs to people. So, um, well done, Scotland. Keep it up. So, um, 
I think <laughs> it's kind of good. I might kind of get attacked by both the guest and the audience today. And it's a, it could just be a pummeling. This could literally turn into murder on the Orient Express where everyone goes, he's been punched in the face by 65 different people today. Yeah, just a, a man came in, punched him 65 times with various weaknesses of punch. Uh, so um, I, think we'll, I think we'll get straight on with it. You know, this could be amazing. Uh, he's got the longest Wikipedia entry I've ever s- I thought, I got up at about 11 o'clock and thought, I'll be able to just, I'll just read Wikipedia. I'll know all of that. It's fucking so confusing. <laughs> Just, they need that many wrestling federations, do they really? <laughs> Wouldn't just one do. Uh, anyway, I'm a big fan of Big Daddy and Giant Haystack, so I'm sure we'll, we'll have. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. I hope he's there. Will you please welcome the amazing Mick Foley, ladies and gentlemen? Hopefully, coming through. Here he is. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, he's going to get me. Sit down, Mick, if you like. How are you doing? He's, an, he's a big presence. How are you? Oh, this is cozy here. It huh? is. It is. We're two, two big men. When get, when get, we've got Gavin Webster on doing the stand-up. I think we'll have to get off stage. Or there may not be. <laughs> he may have to sort of do a human pyramid of the, the three of us together. You know, it sounded backstage like you were making some jokes at my expense. Uh, no way, no, no. No, uh, no way. None. Uh, not uh, here's, here's the important thing. <laughs> They were getting reactions. <laughs> right? Okay. If you're making jokes at my expense yeah. and nobody reacts, then we've got a problem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they were, yeah they're very much on, on your side here. So, uh, Mick, how, how, how long have you been in Edinburgh for? Man, I just got here uh, yesterday. Cool. Uh, good decision. I changed the flights around uh, so that I got in a, a day early, had a chance to become accustomed. Uh, got to see three shows oh, yeah. last night. So uh, I can see how much better the other performers are than I. <laughs> now, people here are awesome. I got uh, my uh, uh, my mentor, uh, Brendan Burns. Oh, yes, yeah, uh, who he's, uh, failed to turn He was meant to do this podcast uh, two days ago, but failed to turn up. He failed to turn yeah, up, really? He's, he's very unreliable. <laughs> Don't, he's, that's your mentor, you're fucked, man. I tell you, that's... <laughs> Did he say, yeah, don't... If you've got a gig to do, you don't, you don't really need to bother turning <laughs> up. <laughs> but it's better off. My mentor in wrestling was a, a guy named Terry Funk with an N. And <laughs> any of you guys aware of Terry Funk's body of work? Yeah. Yeah, Terry, he was out of his mind. Right. Uh, I, uh, for example, th- I was in this kind of infamous match uh, or series of matches called the it was called Kawasaki Dream it's better known as the King of the Death match in Yokohama Japan 1995 and in the finale we were supposed to be in a match where uh, we would land on uh, boards made out of laced with barbed wire that had C4 explosives uh, on the uh, on the barbed wire and they set these things off in the outfield at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon I was supposed to be a guy who had no fear and I heard these things go off and I just went there's no way like there's there's no way we can do it and then I heard Terry Funk go no that no, that looks good uh, but I, I think I, th- I think we could use another explosive right in the middle there and I said, Terry, if there's explosives on both sides in the middle, where can we possibly land? He said, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And if anybody saw the match, it was not fine. <laughs> it was not fine. So uh, about the fourth time I came home from uh, one of these Japanese tours, yeah. just in just terrible states of distress, uh, my wife just said, Mick, you know, 
couldn't you have found a different mentor? Uh, so Brendan Burns may have no show to podcast, but... Uh, I'm not, I think uh, Brendan Burns may be the comedian equivalent. And, uh, you know, it's, da- it's, it's dangerous here in Edinburgh. You could get a one-star review from three weeks, which will be, you know, that, that is... This, I've, got a, I've is. got a theory. I've got a theory. Yeah. I'm just going to combine all my stars. <laughs> yeah. How many stars did you get in Edinburgh? I was like, I got 11. I got, uh, I, no, I got it's 11, man. Theory. No one's done that before. That's amazing. So have you been to Scotland before? I have. Me- yeah. uh, many times. Did uh, Glasgow. Uh, two shows yeah, in the past. Yeah, they love it when you call it that. <laughs> that's, well, what a, that's the name of it, isn't it, right? Yeah. How, what is fucking, the correct we're gonna, pronunciation? We're going to be fucking killed by Glasgow. If anyone in Glasgow hears this podcast, we're dead, both of us. Well, correct. somebody correct Glasgow, me. Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah. All right, here, I made the mistake of, of when I finally get landed the gig of going on saying, great news, everybody, I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Fest. <laughs> and they went, no, I mean, hundreds of tweets. No, you got it, you got it wrong. They didn't, I didn't actually have the accent on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that was a proper Scottish accent. Anyway, and then when I get here, I'm, I'm calling it Edinburgh. And I, no, it's Edinburgh. Yeah. I was like, you make up your mind. <laughs> Is it a borough of Eden or is it a burg? You can't have it both ways. These, these Scotch people are so pedantic. They hate. The thing is, in Scotland, they kind of you can't win. So, so people in Glasgow hate people in Edinburgh, but they also hate each other. They hate like they hate other people in Glasgow this, worse. This so. is it's stunning to go around uh, the world, but especially Europe, and find out how many different groups of people hate each other. Yeah. And I only felt out. I found out about the Celtic Ranger thing like two weeks before I went to Celtic. Glas- Glasgow. Uh, yeah. I, I like. Really I hope he's doing it on purpose. I really. Do. <laughs> I re- I reckon he got. I'm sticking with him through this, and I reckon we. Come on down, everyone in Glasgow. I think the two of us can fucking take you. I will be. I'll be mainly standing at the back, coordinating the. the defense. And apparently, this is just what I've gathered. The Irish don't care to be considered part of the UK. Yeah, they, yeah, that's. I got that. Uh, uh, My website was Mick Foley Stand Up UK, and I'm I'm, again hundreds, maybe thousands. We're not part of the UK, and I was like, you can't put Mick Foley Stand Up UK and Ireland. It sounds (laughs) stupid, but just talking today about the tour, uh, about the next time I come back, I just said today, I said, no, I'm doing Ireland separately. I will not listen to these people complain. Gee. Well, now you know that they're different places. You know more about foreign policy than anyone else in America. So congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. <Dan. laughs> Ironically, I love coming over here. When I say over here in general, I'm Edinburgh specifically, because I can't do, I can't do uh, material about American politics in America. Yeah. Not that they, they, don't, they don't know and they don't care. You either have people who are so divided that you're going to piss off 50% of the people yeah. or they just look at you blindly. <laughs> and so I was like gleeful, like I could actually tell like my Obama and Bush stories to some type of reaction. Might be a little tepid here. I'll, uh, I'll stick to the king of the death match things. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, because in, in the UK, the wrestling that I grew up watching, which I did love yeah. uh, in the 1970s, I don't know if you're aware of UK. Yes, I am, yeah. Uh, was, was Big Daddy, Giant, Hi- Giant High yeah. Haystacks, who you re- pa- a passing resemblance to Giant Haystacks. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're a big man with some hair. Uh, <laughs> 
and terrible bodily odor. No, yeah, no, 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 that's no. not true. It's not true. He's, he's it first. will be by day four. <laughs> <laughs> I've got shirts to sell, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> they look good. They look good. So yeah, thank you. it's not quite the same, though, is it? Because mainly British wrestling was Big Daddy kind of running across the the ring. Yep. Hitting the ropes, bouncing back to the other man, bloke managing to get out of the way, then Big Daddy bouncing off the ropes, the other bloke managed to get out of the way. But then the yeah. third time, the bloke wouldn't see Big Daddy coming. Oh. The third time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he'd, he'd, he'd done well, he'd evaded yeah. him, a gigantically fat old man <laughs> twice, but the third time he yeah. was caught by surprise and Big Daddy sort of hit him and then jumped on top and, of him. Is it, it similar to that, what you do <laughs> with, with explosives and no, barbed wire? <laughs> it's not similar. It's exactly the same. <laughs> well, as as a result, the Big Daddy. I mean, you bring up Big Daddy to UK wrestlers. You know, some of them will acknowledge how how popular he was, and others just get downright angry. Right. And that's the reason I believe that so many British wrestlers were mean and bitter. And uh, <laughs> I had an experience. My second match ever was with the Dynamite Kid. I don't know if you remember Tommy Billington. He was one of the greatest of all time. I, I wrestled in my second match of my career. I'd been in front of 300 people in the Clarksburg, West Virginia Armory for my first match. And the next match I had was in front of 17,000 in Providence, Rhode Island, taking on the British Bulldogs. And they had a guy named Les Thornton. Uh, he was my partner. And I went out there under the illusion that I was going to do pretty well. And then I saw Les Thornton doing all these technical moves with the British Bulldogs, and it suddenly dawned on me that I was about to be killed. <laughs> and uh, I, I just I didn't chew solid food for three weeks after that. My mom and dad came to see. My mom, uh, she read a book for all but the five minutes that I was in the ring. And like a lot of people, she thought everything that was happened out there was, was uh, fake. And I remember specifically, this was the, the vision, I, the, the thought ran through my head when the Dynamite Kitty dropped a, a headbutt on me. And I remember thinking, nothing could possibly be more real than this right now. <laughs> and uh, I was so out of it uh, that you know, my mom <laughs> came up to talk to me and I was just gone, you know, mentally gone. So it was my first pro wrestling concussion. And she never attended a live match again. And even she'd get the... Uh, she would get the pay-per-views after my brother ordered them. But after a specific pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell in uh, 1998, uh, my mom asked my brother, like, okay, kid, let me have the pay-per-view. My brother went, no. <laughs> and, no, I'd like to see you. No, Mom, you don't. He would not turn over the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Right. So I'll make a little mention of that match specifically. I've got video to play with. For the first time since I've done comedy, I've got video to play with yeah. at these shows now brendan burns is like mate you don't do new material at the fringe and i'm like listen man you know i'm from wrestling like if i'm gonna fail i'm gonna fail spectacularly <laughs> you know like that's what you do you try out the new stuff on the big shows and if it fails then uh you know, it fails in a big way. So what is, what is the show? What is the show, comedy show? Is it about your wrestling career or is it... Uh, is it well, you know what? If you would have asked me uh, three weeks ago, <laughs> I would have said, you know, I use the world of wrestling to illustrate larger points. Uh, <laughs> and then I went to the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival and it just dawned on me, looking at all these great comedians and the same would hold true for walking around the streets at Edinburgh. It's like, you know what? If people want to hear about anything but wrestling, there's plenty of places to do that. <laughs> I will make, you know, I will, like tonight I was thinking of 
taking care of uh, racism and international terrorism, just <laughs> eliminating it. Uh, but I'll do it through lessons I learned in wrestling. <laughs> and this, you, there's stuff of you in it's, it's kind of cage fighting. So you're in there's cages involved in wrestling. Well, that was that that the it yeah. wasn't a, it wasn't a cage. It was a cell. Right. So, exactly. uh, the hell in a cell. It looked like a cage, but it was a cell. Uh, and that was the match that I'm, uh, you know, b- best known for to the point where I've essentially, I feel like Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. except it's been going on for 14 years. <laughs> so people come up, oh, I love that cell match. I'm like, oh, the one where I was knocked unconscious? Yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> and then if, if somebody, and I don't even know, maybe somebody put, the, where's the guy who's in the dressing room with us? He's like, by the way, you know, mate of mine loved, to, and he mispronounced the, the book, Tatum Brown, which was a novel that didn't have anything, had very little to do with wrestling. I was like, you read my book? <laughs> like, you read my book? And, and that's how you find out, like, uh, in dealing with actors, comedians, different people, you find that one thing that they really like that people don't talk to, to them about, and they become your best friend instantly. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, so I loved true. your book, uh, Teton Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest, I haven't seen any of your wrestling, so that is, That's you know, I'm not, I'm, the, I'm probably the best person you could. T- I'll talk exactly. to you about anything other if you like. I'll talk to you about. Um, but you, uh, the, 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 one of the guys actually, I like to call them Oryx and Crake they're from the, the guys uh, there over there because I can never remember their names, and that's the Margaret Atwood book. That's that's how. Uh, that's they, these guys are big fans of yours. What's your names, fellas? Oh, Vax and Pepper, it's like Oryx and Crate. Uh, so yeah, I'm a kind of, I intellectualise everything in a kind of way that probably the World Rest Federation of Wrestling isn't used to. But they, they're saying that you've had some terrible injuries that you've, because I was saying it's not, it's not real though, is it? And they were saying that you, you've lost part, body parts. I have, yeah. There yeah are anything vital? <laughs> I'm doing a show called Talking Cock. You might, uh, is that, has that ever come off? <laughs> you, you know what, there was a group called the, the PTC, the Parents Television Council, that was, they really uh, were on a crusade against WWE and their risque material. They would count how many references were made to different, bo- you know, the, with the body parts. And there was this uh, one thing I did with Shane McMahon where when I was the commissioner of WWE and Shane said, he said something, he was a little frightened of a match. And I said, Shane, remember that match I had in Japan with the explosives? He said, yeah. I said, I lost both my guys that night. And he went, both of them? And I went, both of them. And I paused, and I looked at it, take a look. Nah, nah, I'm just kidding. There. (laughs) (laughs) I said, there they are. I paused, and I said, you little rascals. And the PTC hit us with like five, like five moments of crudity for saying I lost both my guys. Yeah. Both of them was two, and I said both of them. There they are, you little rascals. So I made five references to my balls. Yeah. I think they've taken over the Edinburgh Fringe guy. Uh, this, this year, so, but you've lost it. If you genuinely lost your ear, you, you got your ear came off. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> My son. Most parents have to worry about their kids finding, like, you know, the wrong video or whatever it might yeah. be. In my case, my fa- my son was eight at the time, and he found the picture where dad had just lost his ear. Because being a wrestler, you know, your first concern when you lose a body part is, is there a camera? Like, can we, uh, <laughs> we have a camera around? And even as I'm going to the hospital, I'm thinking, you know, I'm lucky to be in the one line of business where this is not necessarily a bad thing, you know? 
And then, you, you know, you have the bizarre stories. Like, I took some German in high school, and we get out of the... Uh, the uh, ambulance, and I'm, I say to the guy, like, yeah, we get something nice, bitte, mein Ohr, and the plastic tasches to bring in, which means, please don't forget to bring my ear in the plastic bag. Had you just learned that one phrase? <laughs> this is the wrestler, English to German handbook. There are only three phrases in there. <laughs> but my son found it, and he was like, Dad, I... Can you hear? And I said, what? And he said, can you hear me? I said, excuse me? Dad, he's getting up close. Can you hear? I said, you're going to have to speak up, son. I've only got one ear. And he's literally in my ear. Dad, can you hear me? So, But did you carry on? You had, a, you had a chance to, it says on Wikipedia, which you say some, some of your Wikipedia entry is not reliable. Uh, but uh, it says that you kind of carried, you had the option to go to hospital, but you carried, you had another bout to do or something. No, we, we continue with the yeah. match. Well, like that's where the, you know, like the surreal nature of wrestling takes over because in any of the real sports, guy loses an ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the very least, they take a time out and it's like, uh, all right, let's keep on going, you know. And and even tonight, I'll probably talk about this, you know, this Hell in a Cell match where, you know, it's the one time in my career I was completely knocked out. And again, any other sport, you know, okay, let's take a little rest here. And and things have changed. I'll say in defense of WWE, the right decision now would be to stop the match. But at the time, it was like backstage, buy him some time, <laughs> buy him some time, and so. Terry Funk, my mentor, he had come in, bought me some time by being choke slammed. Uh, that's how we do it. And eventually, you can see on the videotape, like, and when he was choke slammed, his shoes came off. And like, I rolled over and you could see me kind of go like this. And I'm thinking, what the hell are these sneakers doing in the ring? You know? And we just got to like keep on going. You know? I couldn't do it now. No. And now I give up pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> my first few stories don't go over well. I'm out of Edinburgh. <laughs> I think you're going to be fine. I think you're gonna... And your teeth have come out of your nose. Is that right? They were. They, one was. It was lodged in the nose uh, for years. The uh, story <laughs> went that it went through my nasal nasal cavity and out. And I'm like, I think it's more likely that it just traveled from here to there. You know. <laughs> and, but. You know what? I had a flashback yesterday when I was uh, went through Amsterdam because uh, I'd only gone through Amsterdam one other time. And you figure they've got enough problems. They're pretty lax on almost everything except when it comes to gray teeth because <laughs> that tooth that came out and was stuck in my nose ended up being put back in uh, and it never really took. So it, the roots are kind of dead and the tooth as a result is, is gray. And uh, I was detained by security in Amsterdam for having a gray tooth. <laughs> And the woman could not get over because we, um, you know, I, I fly business, you know, I got, I have that type of cash. Uh, after the end of Fringe, you're going back on EasyJet, I can tell you. <laughs> it was, it was in my, uh, I'm notoriously thrifty in uh, in wrestling circles, and I, I willingly enhance that that image because I enjoy it and I travel light so I had the one bag for a you know for a 10 day trip in India I'm flying business and I've got a great tooth <laughs> and the woman could I mean a serious questions guards with machine guns like why I said well uh, there was a chair up on top of this structure and it, 
hit me in the face and it ended up in my nose. And she was like, well, why wouldn't you fix that? And I said, well, it's kind of a unique souvenir. Like, uh, like I don't have to keep many things, any mementos in my house. Like, I've got something that's called waking up in the morning to, uh, to remind me of the stuff I've done, you know. But that's the one, like, I'm keeping that. I'm like, that's mine. You know, I've got that gray tooth, and that's my uh, reminder of that special evening. Yeah. They think you're hiding something in your tooth. Is that, they, they thought it was a Semtex tooth. I don't understand why that's... This Just is full a, of drugs, this Well, to talk about in, in culture shock, has anyone been to, to India here? And we actually have more uh, American... We have more fans in India than we do anywhere else in the world. More fans in India than we do in the United States. So I knew wrestling was going to be very popular over there. Even the, the company, I'm not talking about them facetiously, but the company I worked for was called Total Nonstop Action a couple of years ago. Even they had a nice following, and they do a show out of India now, but it was just complete culture shock because we get there and the place is mobbed. Like we, we grow up thinking that American bikers are the toughest guys in the world. <laughs> and then I'm looking at their bikers, and I'm like... They're wearing flip-flops. They're, they're, they're talking on cell phones. A woman sitting like on the back of, a, of the motorcycle, but she's backwards. You know, in the U.S., you know, they put the arms around. Like, the biker's got his girl behind him. And she's got her arms around. You know, that seems pretty rugged. This lady's sitting backwards, talking on a cell phone, holding a baby. <laughs> and then we get to this huge traffic jam, and uh, the cab driver, we see them actually like hauling a body out like people are passing this body up overhead and he goes he is dead i was like he's dead like they're not waiting for the police to show up and no they just remove the body and keep so you know everywhere you go you see something new it's good good education (laughs) wrestling's turned out to be a pretty good Pretty good education. You'll see that. If you go to Glasgow, that's about the same. <laughs> um, not, not here in Edinburgh. Um, so you have, well, I'm quite so you have lots of different personas as, as a wrestler. Yeah. Are, each, are each of the, na- the different names you have, that's a different, you kind of take on a different character as you're, yes. as you're playing that. So, so there is this sort of dramatic element to it. It's like being a stand-up, doing character comedy kind of thing. In some ways, yeah. But you're being yeah. smashed in the face. <laughs> exactly. But who would know? that the most painful incidents would result in humorous anecdotes. <laughs> Without the pain, I've got no show, you know? So what's the... How do, in Dude Love, is that what it sounds like, that character? Oh, the less said about Dude Love, the better... Uh, <laughs> yeah, here's the truth. But, but, can I get a cheap plug-in for my show yeah. tonight? People are listening. They're like, this guy sounds awesome. Where can I see him? You must do. You must it's uh, at uh, the Assembly Rooms, yeah. uh, 1020. Uh, tonight, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Friday and Saturday, like within a couple tickets of being sold out. So uh, if you want to, and I can tell you do, uh, you know, tonight and uh, tomorrow would be the, the opportune times to go. But talking about characters, Dude Love was a character that I created when I was 16 or 17 years old. Uh, that was essentially everything I was not in real life. <laughs> he was hot, man. And, uh, I actually had a wig. Now I actually, you know, I've had long hair for the better part of 
27 or 28 years. But at the time, uh, you know, I, my hair was just kind of regular. I put a wig on and I have this, red, you know, orange headband. And I would go out, like, to the clubs. And all of a sudden, I was, like, cooler. <laughs> and I could ask girls to dance. And I was like, wow, I am so much better at meeting women when I'm not actually me. <laughs> uh, and, and it... That was who I always wanted to be. Even when I broke into wrestling, I gave myself this Cactus Jack name because it was kind of generic, and I was just going to be Cactus Jack until I became good enough to become Dude Love. And then Mother Nature did not cooperate. <laughs> uh, she never actually saw me as Dude Love. And it wasn't until I joined WWE, I mean, years. I'd been wrestling almost 12 years by the time I got the call from WWE. Uh, and when Vince McMahon... Uh, found out that I'd had this, you know, fantasy character I'd always wanted to be. He decided to make it come true, and to his credit, I mean, it worked out. It worked out really well in 1997, which was the summer of love. Uh, the problem was when I was. I remember we did two shows in Kuwait, and uh, and the first show had been a little brief. So we were told, you know, it had to be that full show because it was a paid show and we were in that part of the world where, you know, bad things could happen. We had to put in a full show and all of a sudden I'm told to put in 30 minutes as Dude Love. And by like the eighth time I went up to the second turnbuckle and danced, I realized this character had outlived his usefulness, you know. I did it on the on Raw's uh, uh, 1,000th episode, though. They uh, here's this is this is uh, I, if I was a better actual comic, I could find a way to work this into uh, you know a routine. And I did say it in Montreal when I was introducing Brendan. I talked about the fact that here's the thousandth episode. I'm a little larger than I was in 1997 during the Summer of Love, and so we would have to make a new outfit. And I find myself. <laughs> telling my measurements to the seamstress and lying about my actual measurements <laughs> so I come across as being thinner than I actually am. I, like, so I'm lying to the one person who really counts. <laughs> and then I'll come out in front of several million looking ridiculous, which is kind of like a guy going and buying Magnum XL condoms to impress the drugstore lady. You know, like, uh, these are mine. <laughs> I guess it wouldn't work as part of a routine, yeah, but... That's uh, good. That's good. That's good stuff. I think Stuart Lee did something similar with his first the stuff he wore on TV the first time, but, um, but you, just, you just then it's your clown that's wearing the tight clothes. Um, so I, I'm a... I'm a sportsman as well, and I and I play. <laughs> I um, that's what interests me because I also play around with the persona of the different sportsman that I am. I I play snooker against myself. Do you have snooker? Do you play snooker in America? No, it's like pool. Absolutely not. It's a bit like pool, but much more complicated. And you need more skill. Uh, <laughs> but then I I play against myself and commentate. But my I, I play, there's. I've, names I've come up with are me one and me two. It's probably, perhaps not as maybe I need. Although me one is uh, the. I forget which one is. Me one is the very, very strong Gale. And me two is the... No, me one's the normal man. It's a while since I've done it. And me two, you need to know your own nicknames. I think that's probably the okay, first... Okay, okay. That's the first tip I'll give you. Uh, the, me one is the normal man, and me two is the very, very strong ga Breeze or Gale. I can't remember. So do, do you think I've got... A, do you think I could come into the... One of the world... Where, how many... I where, have where? absolutely no idea what you're talking oh, about. No, no one does. 
I'll send you a link to the. Uh, I'll send you a link to the downloads. As you're saying it, I'm thinking, is it because I'm a wrestler, think, or is this a cultural barrier? Because you don't know what snooker is, I think that will add an extra layer to listen. <laughs> it's quite a visual game. It's an audio podcast I do of me playing me playing myself yeah. a snooker there's, there's a, <laughs> and describing it inefficiently. Like in the U.S., for example, you talk about a cultural barrier. You don't use the c word, right? Whereas here, apparently, it's used as a comma. <laughs> and, I, and I remember my wife's face when I went home and used it on her. Yeah. Cricket. <laughs> a groan. Not so much in Scotland. Not so much in Scotland. <laughs> no. Uh, so <laughs> no, no. That's, I, I have a feeling that's what William Wallace was actually all about. Like, you can take our lives, but we're not playing cricket. <laughs> I'm off by about 700 years in the invention of the game, but. You well, get the I, feeling. I, I, I'll, I'll leave the snooker for another time. When we, when we know each other better. Uh, if, I, if I was your mentor, I would say move, move away from the wrestling, okay. learn snooker, record it, and then commentate on yourself. But I think I should try, I should try and break America with Because the wrestling you're trying to break into the UK, I guess, and then no, succeeding. No, we broke in a long time. You know what's amazing is that anywhere that pro wrestling is given a, la- a chance to take root, it ends up flourishing. I'm convinced that... Pro wrestling is the answer to world peace. When you know that wrestling is one of the top two or three shows in Israel and also in Kuwait and in in Iraq, the soldiers would tell me when they first came in and were at first welcomed that the uh, that the kids in Iraq were running up trying to tell them what they knew of U.S. culture. So they were saying things like Madonna, Madonna. WWE, WWE, <laughs> and I think there's a there's a, a documentary that involves Iraq and and the the guys are watching WWE in the background. I'm like, if you can get these two different cultures that can't agree on anything else to agree that they like to see big guys in tights <laughs> pretending to fight, there's, there's got to be hope for all of us. And you also moved. To, uh, I'm also interested in ventriloquism, and you've you have a you have a little you have a you have a, you have a puppet, don't you? Have a puppet? I do have a sock puppet. Yeah, a sock puppet, which I, is very. We had uh, a peacock and gambler on last week. I don't think you'll know. I don't know. That, I don't know if they've got across to America yet. Uh, they uh, they had a ca- they're not really known in the UK either. But uh, they uh, they they have a they have a character called Naughty Keith, who is like a sort of bin bag on a. Okay. On their hand, it sounded quite similar. I just wondered, is, is Socko? Is he, is he similar to Naughty Keith? Yeah. You claiming I'm ripping off no, Naughty no, Keith? I, no, uh, if anything, no, if anything, the other way around. Um, and I think you should go and find them and beat them to a pulp. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with Naughty Keith. <laughs> well, I, for years in WWE, I had this hold called the mandible claw, and so it made sense. I went into a hospital room to cheer up Mr. McMahon, who was the world's crankiest emergency room patient. And actually, he had bruised an ankle bone, and yet he was hooked up to a, a heart monitor <laughs> and a respirator. And this was at a time they were just like, you're going up to the hospital, we've got a, a birthday party clown, you're going to show up, and you're going to anger Mr. McMahon unintentionally. And I was just trying to find things that I could bring. Like, it was the box of chocolates that had been mostly eaten. Uh, I had a lo- you know, the balloon animal that the clown was making. I remember walking in. This is the, before they started. You know, now they do more tightly script the show, largely because this, uh, well, largely because there's an episode some people might remember called uh, This Is Your Life that I did with The Rock. And it was the, the highest rated segment in the history of 
pro wrestling, but it also went 14 minutes over <laughs> its allotted time in prime time. And so while you know we thought things were going great backstage, apparently Mr. McMahon was throwing things around, saying it was the worst thing he'd ever seen in his life. <laughs> and it wasn't until the next day where The Rock came up to me. He was like, hey, did you hear the rating? I was like, well, no, what was it? I was thinking it might have been poor. Because we were uh, on uh, a separate, there was a wrestling war going on on Monday night where uh, we there was another live show facing ours. And he was like eight point four, like it was such an amazing number you couldn't. And this was before texting and tweeting all those things. People had to literally been calling each other on the phone saying you have to watch this show. And so we found Mr. McMahon, and he looked at us like, "All right, uh, you can do whatever you want from now on." <laughs> But that episode in the hospital, you know, it didn't feel like anything special. And yet the next day, uh, people in Michigan had made signs and they had socks and all these <laughs> things. And uh, it was like, wow. I, I, and at that time, my body was like, you, if you listen closely, you could hear it falling apart. <laughs> and I got like an extra two years, you know. And it's weird because I've been pulling a flaccid white object out of my pants for years. <laughs> I never really got much applause, and, uh, but it was yeah, it was a big, it was a big thing. But part of what made the the Sacco thing work was that it was the worst ventriloquist act of all time. You yeah. haven't seen Naughty Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of that, there is a question that I've asked a lot of my uh, guests <laughs> that uh, I've been uh, dared to ask you, uh, Mick Foley, is. Um, <laughs> Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? <laughs> oh, now you want to talk I, about the wrestling moves uh, that everyone talks My volume about. actually speaks <laughs> volumes. Uh, my silence speaks volumes. Yeah. I uh, did give it a try yeah. many, many years ago. Yeah, how did it uh, work out? Well, you? not successful. No, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> I was neither flexible enough yeah. or en- well-endowed enough. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Did I hear a a moan of disappointment? Like, oh, oh man! She's leaving. She's got. She's got up. She's got out. And that's when I realized, you know, I better just concentrate on being a really nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someone else will do it for me. And this is the question I'm asking. Maybe this is the question I'm asking everyone again. I'm, you know, I'm trying to see if I can get through the next five minutes without being punched. If, if you had to have sex with an animal, if you had to, well, why would I have because to? Because someone, let's say, someone was holding uh, this whole room at gunpoint. Uh, like it's the way, the way I, the way I d- describe it is like if there was an evil no. If Satan I'm afraid this room would have to die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a crap Not about any, any of you. <laughs> there isn't any animal out of the whole animal kingdom that you think they're quite cute. I could, I could do it if I had to. Can you give me an example <laughs> on what others have said? Well, uh, Lucy Porter said tiger. I, I quite like, because um, she kind of, kind of, kind of appreciates the animal, I think. Uh, I quite, there's a sort of zebra thing that I quite like. That's, I can't remember its name. I keep meaning to look it up. Uh, I, I think it might be in a carpet, yeah. It's got kind of like... It, from, behind it look, from behind, it looks like a lady. You know, some... Uh, some yeah, yeah. You could just... You could, if you had to do it. I'm not saying I, I want to do it. And uh, I'm glad that you haven't got an immediate answer. I'm going to I'm gonna think about okay. the, uh, the animal here. And uh, I believe the least traumatic... Uh, <laughs> Uh, on the side of the animal would be uh, an elephant would barely know what he's <laughs> been there. Uh, yeah. Barely. That's nice. Uh, yeah. That's nice. It's, 
that shows what a nice person yeah. you are because you're certainly the first yeah. person who thought about it from the animal's point yeah. of view. Yeah. <laughs> Most people have just been blithely getting might on have with to yeah. give him a, Might have to give him a spank or two <laughs> just to let him know who's in control, you know? <laughs> I, you know, I look back like in 1988. That was like my one year where I had like I had a, like a six month run when I was in Texas, and I believe I invented the line, "You like that, don't you?" <laughs> yeah, you like that, don't you? And then when I became more aware of my sexual shortcomings, <laughs> I just became like, a, "Can you help me out? Yeah, I wanna help a, <laughs> Just please, you know, help me out, man." <laughs> So what, we're going to have uh, Gavin on in a little sec, but um, just before then, what was it that made you decide to kind of move into comedy from wrestling? Oh, you know, oddly enough, it was uh, my my big moment in comedy was that Hell in a Cell match um, because I realized. I mean, I call and I'll talk about this a little bit tonight. Uh, when I finally called home, it was like after four hours um, because I'd forgotten. I'd gone to the emergency room. I'd been knocked unconscious. I had very little memory of what happened. And when I finally called home, you know, my wife yelled at me, like, you can't do this to us. Like, the children thought you were dead. And I was uh, thinking, you know, apparently I got to change a couple things. <laughs> and uh, so we started making the character more lighthearted. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a wrestler who was so popular that so many of the other guys were trying to emulate what he did. And I thought, our audience is nowhere near as cool as we are playing them out to be. I'm like, I know there's a lot more nerds out there than there are cool people. And so I started going after that market yeah. and, uh, you know, started injecting a little fun into the character. And within a year, it was like, you know, it was almost like Muppet-esque. Whereas it had started out Mankind in 97, you know, 1996 and 97 was really a dark scary character and by uh, the end of 98 he lightened up considerably so yeah that was that was when I started doing it and then I, uh, I had a, a book that came out in 99 and wrote it by, by hand by myself 200,000 words in 50 days on notebook paper and uh, and you know it, it it shocked the world by hitting number one on the New York Times list. I could have forecast all the problems in America just by virtue of the fact that when my book hit number one and I've got the list. Here I was at number one. All the presidential candidates had their books on the list. And here's the problem. When a pro wrestler is doing his own work and the presidential candidates are having their books ghostwritten for them, the country's in a lot of trouble, brother. But, but that book kind of made me a, seem like a credible college speaker. So I'd go around and speak to colleges, and there was never any emphasis on humor. But I found that I enjoyed telling the occasional story about Al Snow uh, and and so it didn't seem like as huge a leap as people no. thought it was but it was it, you know whenever I would talk about doing comedy the the uh, the answer I'd get was really you <laughs> I, I don't I don't I get that that still happens to me now. <laughs> 25 years in no we're going to take a little break uh, Mick this has been really fantastic to talk to you we're going to come back on in a sec but uh, we're going to have a quick uh, five minute stand up uh, set from uh, their fa uh, fantastic actor so it might be good if uh, you Got off out of the, the way. stage. Think, you got it. Otherwise, I think we're going to just get it into right, a, a log you. jam here. But to give Mick a big round of applause for a minute, but he'll be back in a sec. That was very, very, very good. And um, will you please welcome uh, the fantastic comedian Gavin Webster, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon. 
Well, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here in uh, Edinburgh, uh, very much the uh, capital of the Edinburgh area. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've always, always thought that. <laughs> Good. Um, uh, I'm uh, beginning to run out of material now. So, uh, after I did my best. Um, I, uh, it's good to be here at the fringe. Obviously, it's great at the fringe, isn't it? I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, it's, it is the place to be, isn't it? Uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Um, Blackpool's had its day. <laughs> and uh, this is where we're at, isn't it? You know what I mean? And what, what a great. I mean, we're, here we are on York Place, not far from Dublin Street, just near St Andrews, the veritable sunset strip of the fringe, isn't it? You know, it's, the, it's Nerve Centre Central. And, uh, and I've got a show at 5.50. What a team, eh? What a great team. What a great team, eh? What a super team that is. Rock and roll, you know what I mean? 5.50. What I like about 5.50 is um, it's a long way after 5. Uh, but not quite six. Uh, <laughs> so the best thing about five fifty, and uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea, obviously. And if there's any, um, I know there's any Irish people in. Obviously, you know, at six o'clock you have to do your thing, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Reflection, yeah. Uh, Angelus, uh, where you know where you pray to pray to God for more European development money and, uh, <laughs> uh, by the British and uh, uh, the uh, Scots. I, I don't know what you do at six, but you probably just pray to your, I don't know, Protestant God uh, and uh, wonder why you paid eight quid for this shit. And how uh, <laughs> could he save that? And uh, the, the the English, the, well, the Welsh. I, mean, I don't know what, don't know what the Welsh people do. He probably um, make some uh, cheese on toast your national dish and uh, <laughs> pr- pretend that rugby's better than football. You're mental now. Uh, <laughs> And the English, the good old English, the salt of the earth English, they shake my hand on the way out and uh, slag me off on an internet forum, you two-faced, treacherous, toffee <laughs> pieces of shit that you all are. You disgust me. And uh, the, um, the uh, I think I've offended everybody. And uh, if there's, if there's any, anybody in from overseas, but I'm not going to take the piss out of you, but you probably wouldn't get it because you're basic. And uh, <laughs> the um, thing is, right... Um, as a, um, <laughs> oh thank Christ the wrestlers are laughing. Now, uh, you've got, uh, as as a stand-up comedian, I know I don't look like a stand-up comedian. I look more like a bloke who um, plays snooker with your brother. Uh, but uh, stand-up um, comedian, I am self-employed. Any self-employed in the room tonight at all? Eh, means a means a um, family business. Self-employed stand-up comedian, uh, family business. I was I was in bed with my wife the other day. She said, "Why don't you treat me like a real woman?" Uh, so I did. I put her on low wages, and uh, that's uh, highlighting the problem. Highlighting the problem. Highlighting the problem. Highlighting the problem. Highlighting the disparity. And uh, on your side, sisters, and um, I would never ever demean women. Uh, I mean, for Christ's sake, I own one. And uh, <laughs> and. Um, uh, the uh, see within the United Kingdom um, because um, there I, I was as, as a British person uh, I, I was I was well brought up in a, a decent uh, decent house decent street decent parents and uh, but flanked by council estates is is the problem and uh, as a result I went to a I went to a rough uh, rough school and uh, I, I mean I wouldn't say my, my school was rough but um, for work experience we used to walk round and round the yard in twos and, uh, <laughs> prison reference and uh, I am. Um, I got three three A levels. You know, you get the the A levels in England. Um, fate avoidance, uh, <laughs> eluding stupidity, and combined blending in. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, and art. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyone can get art, can't they? Just write your name on the top of the paper, you can get art. You know? <laughs> Don't turn up for the exam. The art exam and thinks it's a really great artistic statement. <laughs> now and. Um, <laughs> 
move on. Uh, I, I went. Uh, I worked in factories for nearly six years, and uh, some of you young people, you might have um, read about factories in history and uh, worked with them. Do you know what I mean? Hard ass, blue collar, working class blokes. No, not the sharpest tools in the box, um, uh, but uh, the the um, from rough areas, proper rough areas. You know, the areas that you know think you know rough areas, real rough estates, and uh, it's difficult to tell, difficult to explain how rough some places are in the big cities. Uh, you, you can always tell a rough area, I feel, by how many. Um, Plastic bags there are on the trees. Uh, that's a good, it's a good rule of thumb. Um, or the amount of tape cassettes kicking around. You know what I mean? Uh, no, nobody uses tape cassette anymore. We're doing a podcast. We're in the digital age, you know. But if you see a, a t- bit of tape cassette wrapped round a lamppost or some um, VHS video tape stuffed into a privet hedge, reverse, piss off, get out of there. You're in Borrowtown. And uh, oh, the amount of Staffordshire bull terriers in the area. That's a good rule of thumb as well. Or the amount of young kids called Kale. Um, <laughs> He has one, he has one. They, um, I used to work with a lot of villains, pro- proper villains, you know, real vi- bad lads. And, um, and some people who pretended they were villains. That's a bit weird, isn't it? You know, why would you pretend that you were, you know, don't mess with me, mate. I'm, I'm well connected, you know. Um, well, I've got a landline myself. Uh, just got it from BT. And uh, I... Um, and uh, you can always he has a good uh, you can always he has a good rule of thumb. You can always tell a proper villain because a proper villain has always got a brother called Kenny who's worse. You know, yeah. uh, Davy's a bad lad. Don't mess with Davy, but Davy's fair. But don't mess with Kenny, his brother. You know, um, if Kenny's having a bad deal, kneecap you. Now, um, I mean that's because um, Adolf Hitler. It's, it's not easy to link this shit, and I haven't got long hair. And, and um, uh, may uh, may. <laughs> See, that's the thing. The older generation, people, the over 75s, they, they're, they're obsessed with Hitler. They go, oh, Hitler, 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 Hitler. Oh, I'll tell you what, he begins with an H and ends in an Hitler. Do you know who it is? Is it Hitler? Yes, it's Hitler. Yes, I am. Hitler. Oh, I'll tell you what, Hitler. And, um, Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. And, um, and uh, hey, I'll tell you what, if you had that attitude when Hitler was around, something would have happened. And, uh, and um, say what you like about Adolf Hitler, but I wouldn't have minded his money. Now, the thing is, right, the... <laughs> Now listen, <laughs> look, yeah, I've been a great crowd, I haven't got long, uh, it was a pleasure to play today, I'll see you sometime later, and enjoy the rest of the Fringe and come to my show, good night, God bless, thank you, oh, good afternoon. Yeah. Gavin Webster, broken elbow, he has got a broken elbow, we've been fighting backstage, so uh, I don't know if Mick, he's back there, Mick, he's still, he's gone and sat down. Yeah, here, here he comes. Welcome back, Mick Foley, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to... Um, you can stand up for this bit if you want, or sit down, whatever you like. We're going to have a little competition where people here have the chance of winning some tickets. Oh, where did I put those tickets? got some tickets to a show and everything. I can have my, my mobile phones on the table. Oh, they're in there. Uh, you can't have my mobile phone. Uh, Richard, are, th- are they tickets to my show? There aren't. You can, if you, you can give some away if you like. I don't, I don't give away tickets. No. <laughs> Got some tickets to see Simon Donald, who's our guest, I think, on Sunday. Marcus Birdman, who was, uh, did the stand-up yesterday. Fantastic. Uh, also, uh, you can win Robin Ince, As Dumb As You, on DVD. Uh, Andrew Collins, Where Did It All Go Right? on audiobook. This is the last one I have, so you know, this is, there may not be any more. Uh, Andrew Collins again. <laughs> well, and Collins and Herring podcasts. This is amazing. Christ, I've brought way too much up. Christ on a bike. DVD, that's a three-disc DVD. Of course, to those usual two books that are running out. Uh, do go to gofasterstripe.com to buy those DVDs. Uh, from any, and there are many more to browse. There are sponsors. So what we do in this bit, we do statements that are true or false. Okay. Uh, I'll start. So everyone needs to stand up in the audience so that we can uh, have a chance of uh, 
winning. If you think the statement he's made is true, put your hands on your head. If you think it's false, put your hands on your bottom. The seat of all falsehood. Um, I'll start you off with this one. I think I could give Mick Foley a, a run for the money in the ring because as a young man, I got a yellow belt in judo. Is that true or false? I think I could take him. That is false. Uh, so sit down if said true. So that's the bait. That's how it works. So you can give a, you can give uh, any statement about anything. That was a complicated like. question. It was complicated. So I didn't know if the true or false was you had a yellow belt or you thought you could take me. <laughs> it, was all, it was all false. <laughs> but so yeah, have you got have you got a statement? Oh, a statement. Yeah, okay. The, the truth um, or false? You don't let have to me do think. Um, um, I lost my virginity at age sixteen. True or false? Wait, everybody's saying no? no they don't buy that for some, a second? Some people are going for true. Okay. I'm, I don't think you've lost it yet. <laughs> Burn. I've been Lucky saving I've it. <laughs> <laughs> I like everything about you, Rich. <laughs> Is it true or false? That'd be false. Oh. I was damn near 20. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was yeah, nearly yeah. 20 as well. Sorry. Maybe we were together. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, uh, I've been reading the uh, BBC website, as I always do in the interval, and uh, <laughs> the news has come through, very sad news, that the newsreader Kenneth Kendall has died. Is that, is that true or false? Uh, thought I might, and there's one man gone for true. If it's true, it could be true, mate, and you've won. If it's true, it's false. <laughs> I, I do it every day. That was just get rid of the wrestling fans. I don't want them winning my comedy DVDs. Have you got another statement? This, this may be considered a trick question, okay. though. True or false? I am working on seven volumes of autobiographies simultaneously. True or false? A lot of people come for true. According to Wikipedia, it's true, but it is false. <laughs> so... Well done, you've got to say... It was a late-night tweet that was taken way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, who would write seven autobiographies at once? Uh, well, yeah, it's yeah, like one yeah, at a time, isn't yeah, it? I've got to work on, on seven simultaneously because uh, my po- life's that fucking interesting. <laughs> 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 they were poking fun of the fact that I officially have written more memoirs than Churchill. <laughs> uh, so seven simultaneously was not that far of a stretch. How many years did Churchill have? That's the question I ask you, too. Uh, so there's nothing interesting to say. Right, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Uh, let me, oh god, uh, let me have a think. Oh, yesterday at I went to the gym and I uh, I ran I ran for 37 minutes on the running machine. Is that true or false? Oh, he's changed his mind. It is false. I didn't go to the gym. You were right. You say it. I was t- I wasn't well enough. I've gone every day apart from yesterday. Have you got another? We're, we're, yes, got uh, I've got, got one well. that's a real t- uh, brain teaser here. True or false? <laughs> my shows at the assembly rooms tonight and tomorrow are completely sold out. <laughs> True or false? That's false. It is false. Tickets are available at the <laughs> box office. Uh, that was like a screen. <laughs> that was a bit like screen test. That one, because if you've been paying attention during the podcast, you would, you would know that. My show at uh, Talking Cock at eight fifteen. Uh, the other belly. Are we in direct competition? Uh, <laughs> yesterday. Same, same market. It's. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me think. Yesterday um, uh, was again the the planes came over again. 
but which point of the show I'm going to was it, did they come over at the point <coughs> when I was talking about losing an erection? True or false? I asked it as a question. I very this bad man knows it, way it, too much about your erection. <laughs> it's, false, it's false, actually. They, that's the first night they came over at that point. But the second night we started, we went up 10 minutes late. So it was a bit earlier in the show. So who's left in? Is there three people left in? Right, we're going to do, just to get it over with, there's this gentleman, I think, oh, you're not in? No, you're not in. So it's just two people in. One of Oryx and Crake is in. This will be very, be very excited. They've taken a photo of me every... That could, I should make that the true or false. Every day at the Fringe, these two guys have turned up at one of my venues to have a photo taken with me. I think they're going to do a little flip book of me getting gradually greyer and older uh, as the, the 30 days well. go past. Um, uh, I'd feel much more comfortable if you'd just stay at Rich's venues. Yes. <laughs> It's bad enough. I got Martin Moore coming to mind. Uh, <laughs> How many? You got to give a numerical answer. The one who gets closest will win. How many walnut whips do you think I ate yesterday? <laughs> How many? Three. Zero. Seven. 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 Man, if you've gone for one, <laughs> then you're definitely you're definitely one. I can't. It's not like I suddenly produced some walnut whips. Fucking walnut whips. There's walnut whips coming out of me. I've eaten negative three walnut whips today. Um, it's, uh, it was three. Which means you won. So, um, <laughs> I like the fact that it's a reference that no one gets because they don't know what you're called and no one's heard, no one's heard of the Margaret Atwood novel. You can go to, <laughs> you can go and see those two shows there. Fantastic! So uh, give a big round of applause to uh, both my guests today, Mick Foley and Garen Webster. Fantastic! But do go see their shows. We're back tomorrow. I think it's Nina Conti tomorrow. Another ventriloquist. It's going to be no naughty Keith. Thank you very much. Cheers. See you next time. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>